morning, everybody. Welcome here. Welcome to Cedar Valley Church this morning. We're going to get going. If you're hanging out in the lobby, we are getting started. It's 10 o'clock, so I will invite you in. Sorry, Chad, I'll get this mask out of the way. <laughs> Has anyone gotten in themselves in a bit of a knot with their face mask and uh, like a Bluetooth headset or headphones or anything yet, AirPods? That was a new experience for me just now. All right, I'm going to invite you all into church this morning. Welcome to Cedar Valley Church. My name is Grant, and I'm going to get the service started for you. Really happy you are all here. If this is one of your first times here, or maybe you're joining us after uh, checking us out on our Christmas Eve service, special welcome to you. We would love to get to know you a little bit better, and one of the best ways you can help us do that, getting to know you better, is uh, find us online, send us an email, hello, at cedarvalley.ca, or out in the lobby, you'll see some people wearing a lanyard with their name on it. Find them, just so say, hey, I would love to get to know you, or uh, we'd get one of our pastors to get in touch with you. Uh, yeah, just happy you're here. Reminder for everybody, we are on Facebook and Instagram, on YouTube. We're streaming this service this morning, too, so welcome to everyone who's joining us online as well. And uh, make sure you're just following us for midweek updates, some cool stuff, especially, here's a fun story I want to share with you all. Uh, sometimes things don't have a lot of opportunity to, you know, plan months and months in advance. We have a snowfall and we are right beside an amazing park. Tons of kids are sliding down it all the time and we're like, man, we have a bunch of leftover hot chocolate from our Christmas Eve service. Let's get out there, warm people up. And we can't like plan that so much. So we posted online, let people know a handful of the church came together. We gave out like 200 cups of hot chocolate. It was awesome. There were so many people there sliding down all day. Really fun way to just get involved in the community. And, you know, it wasn't even about weird advertising or weird, like, uh, agendas. It's simply just like, hey, we're a church. We love this community. We love this neighborhood. We love this city. We want to be around and present. And so on New Year's Day, sledding down the hill, that's how we chose to do it. Uh, and thanks for everyone who was part of that. I hope we do it again. So this service, I want to let you know what we are doing. It's New Year's. So I haven't even said that yet. Hey, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. All right, 2022. Are we ready for that? Ready for something new? We're going to start off with something a little bit different this year. So rather than our typical church service, we are starting this service off with prayer, this whole year off with prayer, actually. And that's what this service is going to be about. And I'm inviting all of you to be part of that, to interact in it, to be involved in it in different ways. And how it's going to look is that's one of the most important things we can do as a church is just soak what we are doing, what we're looking forward to in the future, what we experienced in the past in prayer, bringing it towards God. I'm going to talk a little bit more about what prayer is, how it can kind of enter into our lives a little bit further on. But we're going to have four sections this morning, a mix of looking back and looking forward, inviting God into that, inviting you to join me in that, wherever you're sitting, if it's just by yourself or with friends around you, or if you're online too, just at home, you can enter into the comment section on the chat as well. And we're going to join together. We're going to have some times of worship as well. Our worship teams have recorded songs over the last couple of years. We'll have on the screen. Invite you to join in singing that. There's lyrics on the screen. You can stand up if you want. You can stay seated. You can hang out. The service is it's, it's going to be comfortable. So at any point, too, if you need to just get up, stretch your legs. There is a uh, hot chocolate. No, it's a coffee stand now at the back corner there. Completely comfortable. You're right. There's no, there's no judgment. You can get up. Go back there, grab a coffee if you're online, head to your kitchen, same deal, really good. You might have, no, we've got good coffee here actually, so worth coming out here. Uh, and then we're just going to end those sections off with being led in a time of prayer from some of our leadership teams, some of our volunteers, some of our amazing congregants here. Uh, so sound good? Here's how we're going to start this morning off, with taking a look at last year with Thanksgiving. So here's the first part. 
because this is commanded in the Bible, right? You think of the commandments, you think of the Ten Commandments, you think, you know, right away, don't murder, don't do stuff. What's commanded in the Bible is actually to be thankful, to have a heart of gratitude, to actually take a look at stuff that's happened in your life and focus on the ways God has been involved and that he's delivered and provided for us, the way that people have been a blessing to you, the way that you've been able to be a blessing to others, rather than looking at all the negative stuff. In 1 Thessalonians chapters 5, it actually says, give thanks in all circumstances, pray constantly, which is a bit of a bizarre statement when you think of like, the pandemic we're in, and we're like, wow, there's like some things to be thankful for, but not a lot. All the time? to be thankful, to be uh, gracious and have gratitude. But this is important because if Jesus wants us to actually have a discipline of being thankful, and if we don't actually put effort into having a discipline of being thankful, it is so easy to become bitter and focus on the negative stuff. In fact, there's a study that says if you have nine things happen fantastic and one thing bad during the day or the year or the month or part of your job, so just 10%, I bet you it's even less. I know in my life it could probably be 2% of something negative that happens. If something I work on and it works really well is fantastic and 100 people compliment it and I have one criticism, I focus on that criticism and it overcomes me and that's all I can think about. Humans have this weird way of taking negative things that happen and making it become the overwhelming truth in our lives, even when that might not necessarily be true. There are so many good things. So here's what we're going to do this morning is actually take a look at last year and I want everyone to be able to find three things that they're thankful for. And I'm not talking about the broad general, I've got some health, then, you know, I've, I have a job, thanks, and I love my family. Three specific things. So if it's your health, what about it? Are you able to still run a mile in a certain time? If it's about your family, what about your family? Is there a conversation you had over last year that was really insightful? Is there a time you're able to come to somebody emotionally? Three specific things. A really cool stat I actually found is if you search up uh, benefits of being thankful or benefits of gratitude online, you don't get Bible passages or you don't actually get a bunch of religious things. You actually get articles from health magazines because they actually say being thankful, being gra uh, gra gracious in your life, having a discipline of gratitude is benefit for your health. It helps you sleep at night way better so it can improve your sleep. It has a direct impact on lessening the effects of depression and anxiety and other mental illnesses. It can improve your relationships and your view of other people around you. It helps improve the fact that you see other people being optimistic and being beneficial to your life. You see positively around you. And it actually can literally boost your immune system, they've found. Your resiliency against viruses. So that's how we're going to go with this church, is being thankful. That's how we're going to start this year. So I'm going to give you some time here. And however you're comfortable, you can pray it out. You can just talk about it with your friends or family. You can think about it in your mind silently out loud. You can text it if you've got your phone with you. We're streaming right now to Facebook. Just open up that stream feed and uh, you can literally just text it into on the comments. Three things that you're thankful for over the last year and then we're going to end this section with prayer and worship. All right, thanks for coming Cedar Valley. Have some time with that.
morning. Pray without ceasing. How are we doing? This past year has been really tough, probably tougher than the previous one. Many of you have gone through really hard things as well. Personally, I don't believe I've had a more anxious time in so many different areas of my life. I've felt the pressure on my chest, have had many sleepless nights, huge disappointments, sadness, hurts, and hard decisions. These emotions are real and very necessary to process, but thankfully I don't stay there long. I have a Heavenly Father that pours light over and into the darkness. Be still and know that I am God. These words are found in Psalm 46. This same chapter starts with, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. There are many verses that bring me back to a calm and thankful heart. He starts filling me with his goodness and opens my eyes to see his beauty, his provision, his saving faith through Jesus Christ, and I am once more filled with a thankful heart. This past year, I acknowledge all those here that, that help others, that step in, see a need, and help. I am thankful for the acts of service freely given, even examples from this church serving the hot chocolate, bringing to the food bank. People are stepping up and helping one another. Thank you. I am thankful for that. I'm going to um, close in prayer of this thankful time. And as I was thinking about this, I don't know if it's... Um, a thousand little things, if that's a book, or if it's just a hundred little things, it doesn't matter. But as I was thinking of all the amazing things that I have to be thankful for, I just want to you to join me in thanking our God for these things. So please join me. Close your eyes and, and pray with me. Oh, our Father in heaven, we are grateful. So many little things we take for granted. We walk into a grocery store and pick out the things we want to uh, have in our homes. We turn on a light in the morning and know that it's there. Lord, so many little things. We look outside and see the birds trying to find food, especially in the snow. Thank you. Thank you for the gifts that you give us over and over. All we have to do is open our eyes and, uh, and just acknowledge who is the uh, giver of these gifts. Thank you. And for this congregation, thank you too. For everyone that sits in this place, everyone that watches from home, may we continue to walk forward with thanksgiving. I even thank you for the um, refining fire that you put us through in the hard times. This last year, you have intentionally refined us in many ways. And may we come out of it just purer and, and just more in tune to what you have for us, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for going through that Thanksgiving exercise, and thank you, Gail, for the prayer. Um, if this idea of prayer is new to you, if uh, you kind of come here maybe and you're like, oh, shoot, I didn't want to be involved in a ask the audience kind of service, um, it's, it's actually okay. So maybe you've heard the idea of prayer, maybe you've seen it in TV shows, or maybe prayer, maybe prayer is something that you're familiar with in your life, but you've only done it as something that is like a rehearsed thing. You have prayers memorized. There's one before bed and one before meals, stuff like that. But I actually want to talk to you a little bit about what prayer is, um, what it really is at the core. An uh, easy definition I'd give it is it's the communication piece in a relationship we have with God. Actually, a, a better way I like it, uh, Pastor Henry Nowen, uh, Dutch pastor, puts it this, prayer is descending with your mind into your heart and then being present before God. It's not something you can do by duty. You can't just have it as a practice that you check off the list. It's something that must come from your heart. It has to be emotional. I actually love that statement because that's, that's what prayer is. It's not a simply habitual religious practice. It's something that can become habit, but it's something that actually starts with the heart. It's something that starts with both the mind and heart, but it starts emotionally. It's the kind of communication pieces you might have uh, if you think of like with your kids, when you have those really good conversations and you know when they actually are asking you a question that's not just, you know, they actually don't want to hear the answer, they just want to talk a lot. 
It's the kind of communication you have with your spouse after a whole long day and you're finally winding down and you just want to connect about what's going on in your life and what's going on in the day and what was hard and where you need support. It's a calm sort of thing you can do and it's simply coming before God. Uh, in an ancient piece of religious literature called the Barakot, Book of Blessings, uh, actually gives a sense of there's no prerequisite to prayer. You don't have to be at a certain level of piety or be religious enough or be right enough. What it actually takes is simply the way it says there, an intentional awareness of the presence of God. So what prayer cannot be is simply just speaking stuff to the sky, having no clue where it's going. You need to actually be speaking to something, to God, to somewhere intentionally directed. And so this morning, as we're doing some prayer exercises, I invite you to experiment with that if you're willing, to give it a try, to actually just be real and emotional. There's different ways you can do prayer. My favorite is just conversationally, like you talk, like you speak with somebody uh, that you respect, that you love, that you cherish, like a teacher you would meet with that you uh, really look up to and that you want to learn from, that you want to hear from, but you want to let them know what you're going through. Uh, it can be guided as well, as we're having this morning too. We'll have sometimes a guided prayer where people will pray what's on their heart, but also collectively for you and join in that as well. It could be liturgical. We're not doing any of that this morning, but where you uh, speak something out and repeat it along as well. Uh, it can be out loud. It can be in your head silently. It can be spoken. Uh, a pastor and mentor of mine that I would meet with regularly had this really cool way where we'd just literally be walking in a park chatting, and then he started talking to God in the middle of it. And at first it caught me off guard, but I realized, like, yeah, he's here with us. And I loved that kind of moment we would have. So that's how I'll invite you for it. Um, but the biggest thing is sensing that your prayers need to actually go somewhere and have a landing place. So this next section we're going to do, we took a look back at the year with thanksgiving. Now we're going to take a look back at the year as well with confession. Now, this might be a term that you're thinking like, oh, no, this is a weird feeling. We don't talk about confession much at a church. We usually say religiously churchy words like repent, right? Or confession seems like this thing that happens in a Catholic church in a booth where you talk to somebody behind a wall. But that's actually not it. Confession has something that is deeply connected to us as humans, connected to our soul as just being functional, developed people in a society. Now, one of the most dangerous things we can do to ourselves and to those all around us is to have a mindset of blame, to be critical, to condemn and judge everything going around, especially when stuff is hard. Last year was hard, right? As we just talked about, as Gail shared with us, the year before that was hard as well. We've had a lot of hard years. We've had a lot of hard months lately. And I think 2022 is not just going to be a few numbers on a calendar that make it an easier year. It is not easy right now in the world we live in, but it's so easy and it's so toxic to just get a mindset of pointing fingers and blaming and saying, here's all the reasons that this world is wrong and not actually taking a look at ourselves and saying, I might be part of this as well. That's where confession is actually key, is core to the way we relate with other people, to ourselves, and to God, where we actually accept the fact that we are part of this world completely. We can point fingers, but we actually have to take a look at ourselves and be humble and say, I've been part of this as well. There's times that I have been divisive. There's times I have added to distrust in the world. There's times that I have created disunity and have been angry and I've caused problems and rifts in relationships. There's times that I have lied about things or been deceitful to get my way first and primarily. So confession is not scorekeeping. It's not God just saying, all right, I want you to see all the ways that you are bad. It's actually a discipline and an expectation for us to say, 
I really need you, God, and I really need you to forgive me, and I need your grace and love to actually come into my life and say, it's okay, I get it. You're a mess right now, but I love you, and I have stuff that's so much better for you. So we're going to take some time now this morning as well. I'm uh, going to give you some time for prayer, for confession. And what that's going to be is taking a look at this last year. And specifically, what will be a good trigger is think about the things that made you the most frustrated, the most angry. Times when there was some new restrictions that were announced on the news that caused a whole bunch of plans to be disrupted. Think about those moments. Think about times how you acted. How did you react? Were there similar times in the year, too, that you actually caused a similar kind of thing to somebody else? Were you disrupted plans if we're using that same example? Where you thought about yourself first rather than somebody else? Where you've taken the sense of COVID saying, stay home, be safe, to just turn into a term like self-care, which then turns into a term like ignoring other people in your life, which eventually just breaks up relationships and separates you from people. Confession is really key to the point where if you take a look at the 12-step program, iconic for Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, similar groups like that, Freedom Session, uh, recovery programs, that eight out of the 12 steps are directly connected to aspects of confession and are key to it. One of them is literally confession. That's the point. You actually have to go around and talk to people and confess stuff and bring it out. The way God gives us a sense here is that confession doesn't necessarily have to be you know, uh, completely litigious, where you say, I did this one thing wrong and I broke the rule. But it's a thing that's actually quite internal. It starts in your own heart and with your relationship to God. And it has massive benefits, again, well beyond just religious duty. Uh, a quick little search, too, on confession. My favorite thing was finding a big headline that said, confession is not just for the religious. It actually said, it is such a key practice and benefit that it is necessary for humanity to function in societies, to see where they have also been part of issues and to confess to each other, to get rid of those secrets that actually hold you down inside that are root causes to so many mental issues, uh, mental illnesses. Uh, Amanda here in the church has been heading up and leading a program called Freedom Sessions. One of the key parts of that is actually digging that stuff out and saying, you are not going to be able to move on and move past into uh, healthier places in your life until you can confess, until you can actually remove the stuff that's in your own life and not just blame things on the outside. So I'm going to give you some time again, too. We'll have some music playing. Uh, go through in your mind. It can be simply an inventory you can do for yourself. Write a note on your phone if you got it, or if you have a pen and paper. If you're willing and uh, comfortable, pray this through. Again, with a partner, with somebody beside you, with your family. Pray it out. Kids, take even a look at the last part of the year. What are some stuff that, you know, this isn't having to just say, I'm sorry to mom and dad time. This is just things like, hey, I could have done this better. And I want to be able to do this better. And I want actually God to be able to help me do this stuff better. Find some things in your life and confess them to God if you're willing to each other uh, where you've contributed to pain, division, hurt, anger, dishonesty in this past year specifically. And then we'll finish it off with a time of prayer and a dismissal for the kids' service.
Good morning, Cedar Valley. It's so good to see you. When Grant contacted me, I actually volunteered for this session. And I hope this session might cause the hair on the back of your neck to stand up as it does mine when I think about this. Confession. You know, over the past uh, year, I have to admit I have felt separated from the church simply because of our so inability for social interaction. And I must confess that that has hurt me personally because of that. I don't know how you might respond to that thought, but that is certainly something that has gone through my mind. These winter evenings that are so long, I find myself uh, looking at uh, YouTube videos and things like that. And I enjoy listening to people that may have a different opinion than I do, simply for the fact that maybe they can help shape me and cause me to think of things I haven't thought of. One of the individuals that I have listened to is a man by the name of Jordan Peterson. I don't know if you would recognize that name. And he said that the one question that he hates being asked of him the most is, do you believe in God? And he had two responses to that. And the first one is, it's none of your business. Now think about that. From your perspective, if you sit here and say, I believe in God, now think about that answer in regards to everybody else around us. Huge implications to that. It's none of your business. The second thing he said was, if I should answer affirmative and say, I do believe in God, am I just saying words? If I am just saying words, then what good is that? Where's the proof? And in fact, Jesus himself said, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. So if we sit here today and we say we believe in God, then, as Jordan Peterson said, it requires a qualification. That qualification has to acknowledge that he is. And if he is, then he demands our attention. I'd like to share with you um, a few thoughts out of the Bible. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I remember many times this passage of Scripture being preached about here at Cedar Valley with the intent of drawing us into that relationship that qualifies the statement that we believe in God. There are other verses as well here in regards to um, how we might respond. Hebrews 4.16 let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we might ob obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Romans 3:23 and 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God 
and all are justified freely by the grace through the redemption that comes by Christ Jesus. Jesus said, Fear not. Believe in God. Believe also in me. So if we are here this morning and say we believe in God, then our qualifier is how do we live that out? And I agree with Grant. God isn't there keeping score and saying, Carl, look what you did do or you didn't do. He's there urging us to run the race. And that's what confession is all about. It's an acknowledgement of our need for God. And so with that, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord God, we are so thankful that you are who you are. That you have given your only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that he did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. Lord God, as we are here this morning, and we acknowledge that question, do I believe in God? With a resounding yes, Lord God, we answer, we do, I do, I believe in you. Your Son makes our existence completely possible and allows us to enter into your very throne room to seek your face and to be healed by your grace and your mercy. Father God, right now, as in the book of Chronicles, I, we humble ourselves before you in acknowledgement of those things that fall short of the qualifications of being able to say, I believe in you. Each and every morning, Lord God, when we wake up, may we begin our day in confession to you, acknowledging that this day is because of you and for you, and we live our lives with you and for you. And at the end of each day, Lord God, let not our hearts and our minds go to sleep with acknowledging, without acknowledging that you have carried us through. Father, wherever we have created or caused or omitted by our actions anything that may have harmed another, may you convict us. May you showcase that to us for the cause of your mercy and grace being extended to us that we might rise up and be the people that not only say we believe in you, but others can see that we believe in you because of the actions that we do. So, Lord God, this morning, by your Holy Spirit, I just pray that you will energize us, each and every one of us, with the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. Father, I'm reminded of the words of George Jansen. Help me to want to, want to, want to love you. Thank you, Jesus, by your holy name. Amen.
Hey there, Cedar Valley kids. Those of you who are here in the church building and those of you who are watching at home, you know, we've been talking about, boy, things that are going on in our mind and in our heart, and what do we do about that? And, you know, sometimes our mind starts to tell us to do things that we're really not supposed to do. Well, what happens when that happens to us? Well, if you're at home, you're going to watch a video about a great story in the Bible that will help us. And if you're here, we're going to head downstairs for Bible adventures, and we're also going to see a video and talk about what to do when our mind starts telling us to do things that we know we're not supposed to do. All right, so Cedar Valley kids, we'll see you in the back. Those of you at home, have a great time watching, and we'll see you next week. that fit together to form God's one big story. The epic adventure of how he created us and loves us so much that he made a way to rescue us. As we travel through the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, we discover people who met God and found their lives changed forever. And now for an amazing story. Inspired by the book of Luke, chapter four, verses one through 13. After his remarkable birth, Jesus spent most of his years growing up in Nazareth. To others, he probably seemed like any other Jewish boy. He ran and played with the other kids. Catch! He worked in the carpentry shop with his father, Joseph. As he grew older, he studied God's word, the part of scripture we now know as the Old Testament. Worship the Lord your God. He is the only one you should serve. It was not until Jesus came to the Jordan River to be baptized by John that others began to realize how extraordinary he was. This is my son, and I love him. I am very pleased with him. 30 years of life had led Jesus to this point, where God himself announced that Jesus was the chosen one. It must have seemed like the perfect time for Jesus to begin doing miracles and gathering new followers. But that's not what happened. Instead, God's Spirit led Jesus into the desert for 40 long days. God, I trust you. I trust your plan. During this time, Jesus ate nothing at all. He focused on God as the one thing he needed above all else. But he wasn't alone, not quite, because the devil showed up. You must be hungry, so hungry. It was true. Jesus was desperately in need of food. You are human, after all. The devil refused to leave Jesus alone. He needled and tempted him at every opportunity. At the end of 40 days, he offered Jesus a smooth, heavy rock. If you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus stared at the round stone. He knew as God's son, he could easily turn it into a warm, crisp loaf of bread and just tear off just a large, chewy piece to instantly satisfy his hunger. But he knew every word God had spoken. It is written, man must not live only on bread. Suit yourself. The devil wasn't finished. He led Jesus to a high place where the whole world appeared to spread out beneath them. Every powerful kingdom, every palace, every throne of all the rulers on earth, the devil smiled. He seemed reasonable in control. 
I will give you all their authority and glory. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus didn't flinch. He knew he would rule all those kingdoms. And to take the easy way, he knew it would lead to disaster. And again, he spoke God's words. It is written, Worship the Lord your God. He is the only one you should serve. The devil narrowed his eyes and readied his last shot. He led Jesus to the city of Jerusalem. They stood upon the very highest point of the temple itself. The worshippers far below looked as small as beetles. The devil smirked. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. It is written, the Lord will command his angels to take good care of you. They will lift you up in their hands. Then you won't trip over a stone. The devil's true question seemed to hang in the air. Does God really love you? Prove it. But once again, Jesus had God's own words at the ready. Scripture says, do not test the Lord your God. The devil seethed with rage. He couldn't trap Jesus. So he finally gave up and left until his next good chance. When the devil was gone, God sent angels to take care of Jesus and provide everything he needed. And because Jesus spent his entire life discovering what God said, when the time came, he was ready to make a wise choice. Seems to hide his face. 
for joining us so far in this uh, prayer, and thank you, Carl, for leading us through that time of uh, confession and, and bringing us up before God, because this is what we want to do for the start of this year, looking forward. We're entering into a new year, a new season, really, and frankly, as this church, uh, a complete new vision for this church, a new hope for revival for this church, and new steps, and that has to be rooted in and bathed in prayer and focus on God, and it isn't going to happen from hard work alone. Now, this is going to be hard for Mennonites because there's a long cultural history of working really, really hard. And frankly, making that actually uh, successful, having a lot of success in barn raising and creating communities and building this facility, this church building, doing stuff really well. But the problem with the focus on hard work and you start worshiping your own hands and your own abilities and you actually work God out of that equation. And what we have a hope for and a vision for in this new season for this church is not, is not going to be accomplished by hard work alone. It is only going to be accomplished by inviting God into it. So for the second half or part of the service now, uh, we are going to be looking forward into the future and we're going to be inviting God into it and asking God for guidance along with it. We're going to spend this next session here asking God to be intimately and specifically involved in the work of the church ministries here in our lives, in our faith journeys, in our relationship with him, helping us along, leading us, guiding us. And so the religious term for this prayer is called supplication. Supply, asking God for literally things, for help, for stuff, kind of asking him to be our provider. And this is a, it's a bit of a bizarre sort of sounding thing because you can get into all the high theology, all the high terminology and the study of this, like, what does it mean? Because if God is all-knowing and, and he already is present and doing everything, like, why bother asking for it, right? Because wouldn't he be providing it? Uh, a simple, without going into that, which is like a sermon series worth of dialogue that just is confusing and frankly frustrating, uh, a simple answer, truth for that, I would say, is God being so truly loving of us, of the people he created, he left space for us to have a real relationship with him, which involves some back and forth and asking us for us, asking for us to be involved. Now, it can be a mystery. You can say, why bother asking? But there's actual commands and evidence of it all throughout the scriptures in the Bible. In the book of James in the New Testament, chapter four, uh, it simply says, you have not because you ask not. 
you can't keep complaining about the stuff you don't have from God because you aren't bringing it to God and asking for him to be involved in your life. In James chapter 5, the next one, same book, are you suffering? Ask for help. If you're going through hard stuff, bring it up to God. Ask for help. You can't say that he's not involved if you are starting at nothing. In the book of Philippians, chapter 4, make your requests known to God. In the Old Testament, all the prophets and the kings, Jonah, Moses, Joshua, um, faithful leaders all throughout, authors of books in the Old Testament, model over and over and over of going to God and asking and begging and even changing or what seems like changing God's mind where he says, I'm going to do one thing. And they say, please don't do that. And eventually he says, okay, I won't for your sake because you asked. It's a mystery in here, but the evidence is clear that we're not meant to understand the mystery of what's going on with God and that balance. We're clearly directed to ask God to be involved in what we're doing. So there's no formula to win over God's approval, to win over God's favor, for him to say yes to stuff. It's simply just obedience in bringing this up. So if we want blessings in this next year, we want this focus and movement for Cedar Valley Church here this next year, we need to ask God into it. And so what we're going to do is ask God into this new year, invite him into what we're doing to lead us and guide us as a church, to be a pillar of clouds in the sky like he guided the Israelites for 40 years through the desert as a cloud. Now that might be just a metaphorical thing for us at this time. We have weather that changes every few hours here. But we need a clear guidance of directions to do where, where to be involved in, where to pour ministries in, where to serve at, how to be connected into our community, and hopefully it can go well beyond. But this is still fantastic. Serving hot chocolate in Griner Park, maybe that's where he guides us to do more of, and uh, we're going to ask him for more obvious guidance in that. So again, three minutes, where you're at, with each other, in your head, out loud, texting online. If you're joining us online, you can throw it in the comments too. Uh, spend some time, church praying for God to be involved in and providing for and blessing this new year for us as Cedar Valley Church.
Um, I'm going to lead us in a prayer of supplication. And when I was asked to lead in a prayer of supplication, I, uh, I definitely needed to look up the word supplication. It's not a word we use in our day and age. But I found it really interesting, and I hope this helps you like it helped me. Um, it was a, a request used in, in medieval times, more like um, that weary pilgrims or tortured prisoners would say. Um, it means to kneel, to pray humbly, to entreat, or petition humbly. So it's definitely a posture that we need to have when we pray. Um, like Carl mentioned, the verse in Second Chronicles, if my people will humbly pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them and I will heal their land. God wants us to ask him for things. In the Psalms, we see that. He wants us to ask. Jesus wanted us to ask. The Apostle Paul in the other epistles taught us to ask. So it's not something that we're doing selfishly. We're, we're putting ourselves in a posture of humility, saying we need you um, and we want you to work in us. Supplication is a request. And if the request is made to God, it becomes a prayer. And so this coming year, as we um, are dealing with so many different things, I think it's important that we, we humble ourselves before God and we bring our requests to him. We want to invite him um, into this new year to lead us, like Grant was saying, like a pillar, like he led the children of Israel through the, the wilderness. We want him to fill us with wisdom and energy, love and truth. So pray with me now. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you want to hear from us and that you want us to bring our requests to you that you care about every little thing in our lives. And as a church, as individuals, we come to you with a posture of humility, knowing that without you, we have no hope. And we come to you knowing that you can fulfill all of our needs. And I pray, um, as Paul talked to the Ephesians in chapter 4, that you would lead all of us to a life worthy of your calling, that you would help us to be humble and gentle and patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. I pray that you would help us to make every effort to stay united in your spirit, building ourselves up together with peace. You've made us one body, we're of one spirit, just as you too give us that hope. So Lord Jesus, as we come to this coming year, we come before you, we say, please lead us, please guide us, please make us more like you. Help us to love you better and love one another better too. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. There's a grace when the heart is under fire Another way when the walls are closing in When I look at the space between Where I used to be and this reckoning 
Amen. That's such a powerful song that just centers us around God being so involved in every part of our lives, and no matter what circumstances can come in front of us, uh, no matter what, like, like that, that's coming out of directly a story in the Old Testament where people stood up for their faith in God and were inadvertently attempted to be executed by fire in a furnace, and God said, not a chance, and stood in that fire with them. So it's one thing to ask for God to be present in our lives and then to sit back and let him just provide for everything coming along. And what's amazing is by miracle, God does that sometimes. But with the relationship, especially involving prayer, when we're looking into this new year coming, it is a two-way thing. And so our response to asking God for provisions, for blessings, for God to be a guide and a leader in our lives is to then say, okay, how am I going to answer that call? In his response, he's going to say, I will provide this. In fact, I see Cedar Valley looking towards family, uh, young families. So how are you going to then be involved in reaching out and providing care for children? God could be saying, there are people here who are hungry and you have a kitchen. So how are you going to be creating meals or delivering stuff? God's saying, this is a place of recreation. So, you know, there's programs that need to happen and it's bad weather outside. So you're going to rent out stuff for kids programs or uh, soccer groups that are already happening, uh, different fitness classes, whatever it is. So how are you going to then be able to make sure that your space is welcoming and clean and functioning and that you can actually host and prayerfully bless the groups that are here present renting our space throughout the week? So what we're going to do for this last section is actually just go into prayer, discerning, asking God to give us some clarity. And you can even ask, and this might be one of the most charismatic things you get the chance to do, asking God to literally give you a word. Where will I be involved this year? How am I going to actually live out my faith? How am I going to live out where I see God guiding me, where I see God in action here in the city of Mission, or if you live out in Abbotsford, or if you're joining in from wherever in your hometown, how are you going to actually put that truth to your hands and then be involved in it? See, that's the flip to that happens. Sometimes we think we can accomplish stuff by our own hard work first, but you actually start with prayer, asking God, guide me, lead me where I'm going to do, and then I will be your hands, and I will then get involved in it. So it's not going to work just with us praying for it. It has the second part of it, of us getting involved. And if you need some pointers for discernment, here's a few uh, key little tricks of just how you can think of where I can actually be physically involved. What are things that I might be good at? How can I help discern the words? Because some people get clear directions from God saying literally by the thing, uh, you need to work in a nursery. You need to sweep up the floors. I personally have not had words that clear, but I've had opportunities come. I've had different aspects of discernment. So one, have open ears because you may literally hear that verbatim. And when you hear the voice of God, it's undeniable. Think back over the past, and not just, we're not just talking about 2021 anymore, uh, different things you've done. What's something that has been repeated in your life that you've had opportunities come up over and over and over again? Several weeks back, Pastor Rob, when he is still here, was asking uh, a question about discernment and ways God has blessed us. And what I realized in my life for years is I kept having camera and videography opportunities coming my way, and that was never a passion of mine initially, and now here we are decades later from when that happened, and I have to help make us get a video ministry going so we can connect with people who are at home during a pandemic and we could be online. What are some repeated patterns of stuff that have come up in your life, opportunities? 
what are some things that you have just loved doing? Like, what's something that you really, really, really like doing? You get, it's fun. It's not hard work. Like, you could sign up for it and say, I'll do this every day of the week. It's exciting to me. Has that lined up in ways uh, that God is also saying, yeah, and I'm at work here. If you really like soccer and there's like a ton of kids out there that want to learn how to play soccer, there's programs like Athletes in Action that do camps. They're really amazing. What are some things that have been challenging that you've learned and grown through a lot? Maybe it wasn't necessarily your favorite or initial response, like, I didn't really want to do this. Uh, I didn't want to do, you know, street ministry or traveling. Maybe it's been a mission trip. That's a common one where you have to travel the world and go into a different country and that's often really intimidating, but it, you grew so much through it, and it shaped you and transformed you. And in fact, here's what I will challenge you with. What's something that has come up to you that your initial response is like, not a chance? Maybe it was me when I said, uh, and I'm actually just going to throw a specific example out here. Um, Pamela Hoogie there in the back of the booth was like, I would love to be involved. How could it be involved? And I said, I think you could run broadcast streaming. <laughs> She's like, no way. I, I, I'm not techie, like that's not my thing. And I was like, I think you could do it. And it's gone in there and she's running a stream this morning, right? As, uh, we're live online as well. Something that seems a little bit challenging and intimidating, but you've had the opportunity brought to you. I'm going to challenge you to actually drop your guard and be willing to say, okay, you know what? I actually am going to have to trust God and trust discernment and trust uh, leaders who have suggested that I can serve here and do that. So for this next year, 2022, we're going to spend a couple more minutes in prayer here as we end the service off. Where can I fit? What will my role be living out my faith in the city here in my hometown, so here in Mission or wherever you're at? How will I be a part of Cedar Valley Church this year? Or if you're even connected with another church and you're just here visiting or you're on your way traveling, how will you be involved in the work God is doing in the community here?
God, throughout time, you have used your people to accomplish amazing things. And as God, you don't actually have to do that, but you invite us to be a part of what you're doing. And I ask that you would be speaking into each person's heart and mind here today, that they would really feel a sense of calling and belonging into what you're doing. Um, God, as we ask these questions of where do I fit? What can I do? How can I be involved in Cedar Valley and my community? That you would um, meet those questions with purpose and with excitement and energy and people would be just really stoked to serve you. Um, God, you are a good God. You are trustworthy and you, you can help us do hard things. You can help us do scary things, things we didn't think we were ready for or able to do. Immediately, I think of Moses. He was so scared, and yet you did incredible things through him, and I ask that we would take that same posture of, of really believing you and really trusting that you can do amazing things through people, normal people like us. Um, God, thank you for who you are and what you're doing here and that we get to be a part of that. Amen. Well, that's how you start off a year well as a church. Thank you for joining us in that this morning, everyone. Happy New Year 2022. Don't make it just this Sunday. Take this whole week. All the times that you think about New Year's resolutions, make them bathed in prayer. Make them bathed in focusing on God as your leader and guide and provider. That's what we'll be doing here as a church this year. So thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, if you did bring your kids here and they're downstairs, they are ready to go at the back. Make sure you pick them up. And we do have a congregational update announcement from our leadership team happening right after the service. So stick around. We'll just have a few minutes, grab a coffee, stretch your legs, and then we're going to come back here. We'll have a presentation just updating you on some of the next steps and future uh, things happening here for the church. So again, thank you for that. Uh, have a great week. and We'll see you next week. <laughs>